You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 27 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Barbara McGinnis, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to deal with your bank. Joining us today is Daisy Casey, president of First Horizon Bank in Gallatin, Tennessee. Welcome, Daisy. Thank you, Barb. I appreciate it. (laughs) So, sometimes our clients have um, questions related to what's the best way to deal with their bank, right? And what I'm talking sure. about is often like, it, it's when the power of attorney or the trustee or someone's working in that fiduciary role and they're trying to go to the bank to help probably a mom or dad or spouse deal with the bank. So, mm-hmm. so what's the best way to access those funds without giving joint ownership to the account? Well, Barb, just like with any other, uh, whether it's a bank or your hairdresser or your church, you build relationships um, within those institutions. And I, I always encourage folks to build those relationships and, and even um, make sure that you are introducing your the people that are going to be, that are part of your circle, that are part of your taking care of of you, whether it's you or you're taking care of mom, that you also have the opportunity to to meet those people um, just so that they're familiar with you, that they're familiar. That's always the the easiest thing. And, and there's always every, every different situation has a different answer. Um, but to, specific to your question, uh, one of the ways to make sure that somebody has access to your, to your account if needed would, would be to execute some sort of power, like typically a, a durable power of attorney or a financial power of attorney. Um, it, a power of attorney, and obviously you're the, the legal help on that, but it's going to tell people, tell, it's going to basically give a person the authority while you're alive to navigate or negotiate if you are unable to do so. You know, so they're basically acting on your best interest on your behalf, but you've given them the legal authority to do that. And so in situations, we, we certainly, even if that power of attorney is not necessary now, it is perfectly fine for somebody to come in and go ahead and get that established, go ahead and get that um, person on there, even if there's not a need for it to happen now, but then that way that, you know, your your go-to, let's say it's your daughter or your son or, mm-hmm. you know, a brother or sister there, or, you know, even in, if you're not a spouse, you know, it could be a spouse if you're not joint already on an account, but it's okay to go ahead and get those things established if they're not already established. And then all of a sudden your your family or you're in a situation where, hey, we need to access, you know, we need to have access. We need to make sure mom's bills are being paid. We need to make sure that maybe Maybe you're paying in nursing or having to pay for some other things on their behalf. Right. Uh, certainly having an original copy of, of your power of attorney is important. Um, right now we're dealing with COVID. So I suggest everybody 
schedule the time so that you can make sure to come in and, and, and they're expecting you. They'll take a copy of that. And we do ask uh, for just a little bit of time for it to go through a legal review, make sure that there's nothing that's going to put the, the institution at risk by, you know, we're, we're going to review it and make sure everything is, is, I guess, copacetic, make sure that everything's covered, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but that is definitely, while you're alive, that is the best way to be able to give somebody access to your account without making them an owner. Join um, owner. Yeah. That's right, a joint owner of your account. So is there any, um, does it make things any easier if a person uses the bank's document? Like, do banks have their own powers of attorney specific for banking purposes? We do. Um, we do. It's not, it's going to cover generally specifically just that account. Uh-huh. Um, it also allows the person who, you know, I'm going to use an example. I'm, you know, hopefully in my future, I'll be able to go away and, and travel out of the country. And I may go ahead and say, you know, I'm going to be gone for eight weeks, for instance. That's some, that's sort of a, a dream at this moment. But, <laughs> but uh I could go ahead and say, give, you know, we could access the bank's power of attorney and it's a durable power of attorney specific to that account, um, but it would allow them to have access and their, you know, their name would be on there. And then I also have the right to revoke it um, after I return and everything's okay and they don't have to, you know, transact business on my behalf. Right. But but you wouldn't have to revoke it, you know, if you if no. if you wanted if you wanted that relationship to continue on. But That's but I correct. do follow I do follow what you're saying in your example is one way of just having a limited power of attorney specific to the a bank or the accounts in a particular financial institution and not give the general power of attorney authority away. That's correct. That's correct. You know. I've just spent a lot of time thinking about how to make it easier because um, banks do put a lot of of pushback on these power of attorney documents. Um, And so if we're trying to, life can be hard enough for some of our caregiving families if they're Mm -hmm. trying to pay bills and uh, just take care of a house or, you know, multiple parents, then... um, then they run into the roadblocks at the bank. So we try to do what we need to do to make um, the financial place comfortable. That's right. right. And I also think it, it, you know, in some situations and the, the, the tough part is that, you know, obviously when there's a relationship on the front end, I mean, it makes things easier. So I would certainly right. obviously encourage that and encourage to make, make introductions and things like that. Right. The, the other thing that um, actually we've spoken to before is that, you know, there are in, in some situations, not these situations, but depending on the state of the person um, mm-hmm. that is the account holder and, you know, depending on the, where they're at as far as a, a mental state and where they, you know, what their future holds, that is also can, can be challenging because maybe they're, they're very independent and trying to kind of pass something over. We also see situations where family members are not necessarily, they're just trying to gauge and get information. Right. And so we have to be, we, we do try to be very protective until we have all of that documentation in. And it's really, a, again, it's unfortunately, we're not trying to 
make it harder for anybody. We are doing track. What we believe to do is to, to protect our customer, to protect their privacy. Um, but just being aware of, of how the power of attorneys work, whether it's limited or durable, um, mm-hmm. understanding what your specific, uh, you know, there are times I'm just going to mention it that, you know, maybe you have a mother and she has two daughters, um, as simple as using the, the word and or. Um, one of them is generally the power of attorney and then the other one could be a backup, you know, in, in if that one was not available. Um, and then also making sure that folks understand that, unfortunately, if you were to pass on, that power of attorney is now null it's and done. void. It, it's, That's correct. Yeah, it doesn't give you any authority to do anything at any time. So just to clarify, do, do, are you in favor of the and or statement? We try not to do that too much. We like to have a primary and then a successor agent. But sometimes families do insist on that and or because they've got two kids and they want they both work and they're trying to make it easy on them. What do you think about that? Well, I think that in general, most of them have a primary caregiver. That's the interesting thing. And sometimes the, the one of them is caring for maybe them, the person themselves and the other one's caring for maybe the finance piece of it. Um, I, If you don't include or, that can become a problem. Right. Um, and so, but I mean, I think if you distinguish that this one has, this one is the primary However, this one has the same authority anytime that one is unavailable or however it's stated. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. think it's it's better to make sure you say or if you really want them both. If not, then it could be viewed that you might have to have both of them right. at the same time. And that that certainly becomes a challenge. Um, yes, it and- does. So trying to get two people to agree on most anything, forget about <laughs> being in the same right. place, at, place at the same time can be so That's hard. Right. That's right. And especially if people are out of state, you know, I just, I know that everybody, certainly when a person is is creating a power of attorney or a healthcare power of attorney, durable power limited, any of those things, um, in addition to wills, they're, tr- they're coming from a, a good place, but sometimes there can be legal ramifications or, or just challenges to your point um, with certain language, so... Well, I love the fact that you talked about relationship building in today's environment where we all do so many transactions that seems totally devoid of a relationship. We're online banking, we're doing this and that in a digital uh, environment, but to take the time to go in and say hi. And, And you know what? I will have to say that the times that I've gone into First Horizon branches, you know, Nick, Kelly, uh, whether it's you, people come out and say hi. When And I, you know, maybe not so much in the COVID world because you're not even really going in the bank right now. But I'm talking about in our regular environment. Yes, yes. Uh, we, we, we're struggling. We miss our, we miss all of our people and seeing and seeing and getting to know them and to know their families and what's going on in their lives. Um, it, it's, it's also brought, brought on different challenges with COVID. Just, you know, so we're, yeah. we are really, truly, for a lot of our customers, just trying to be a, a, a strong advisor for them and for what's best for them. And, and, and again, to your point about doing as much online, you know, people are, I, I never had some of the technological skills that I now have after oh, working I know. <laughs> uh, remote for several months. And I'm, you know, I joke, but 
I still think it's possible um, to, you know, to create those relationships, whether it, you know, email is not always secure. So, you know, please understand that when people send an email, it doesn't mean that we can't build relationships that way. But if there's something that needs to be executed, people are probably going to still pick up the phone and verify that, hey, you did send that email and you do want us to, to handle these things. And I think, you know, it's probably most super important now. We have a lot of people that are some of our elderly customers that are unable to handle things because they're not getting out. Um, right. You know, be careful about who you make your power of attorney because you may not need them to be power of attorney to handle some some of the basic things. Um, so just, you know. Right. Um, so if we are, a lot of times I've seen people put someone else on their account as a joint owner just out of convenience sake because that's the way they think that it needs to occur so they can write bills and take paychecks and all that kind of stuff, just take care of business. And we've already covered it. That's not really the way. You could have them be a power of attorney and have the bank, uh, give the bank a copy of your power of attorney. And you could also make them a signer on your account. Mm -hmm. Both power of attorney access and signer access, you know, all of that authority ends when the principal owner dies. But if you were a signer, you could also be a POD, a payable on death, right? And that's another way you could avoid probate or continue to be able to access funds to pay for things. Absolutely. We, um, when a person is listed, to your point about you can be a power of attorney and you can also be a payable upon death. Um, so, and the payable upon death, you can have multiple PODs, as we would say. Mm -hmm. And to your point, the power of attorney is there when a person is living. Once they are deceased, any, if there was only one payable upon death, everything would transfer to the other person. We do have to have a verification that that person has been deceased um, you know, and that's in the form of a death certificate, but, sure. and then they would transition the funds directly into their individual name. Um, but those are absolutely way, great ways um, to avoid, avoid probate. In, in some situations, we also have um, some of our high net worth clients who have um, the FDIC limits at, a, at, mm-hmm. at your federally, at your federal banks is 250,000. Um, is the max to be covered under FDIC, but it's all based on like basically t- account titling. So, for instance, if if Barbara McGinnis had a million dollars and she was the the full owner, and then she decided to put you know three people on as payable upon death, that entire relationship, if if you didn't have any other accounts, that entire relationship would be covered because each person would be covered up to $250,000. So just a Good to know. side note, not, we didn't talk about that, but, um, but again, if you know that those people in the end, if that's your, your intent is for them to have those funds, um, adding them as a POD is absolutely a great way to, you know, to yeah. avoid probate. And I think, um, so, Again, we hadn't planned on talking about this, but since you brought up the the FDIC limits, um, if you have a trust, then each title 
related to that trust also counts as a separate That is correct. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, There are definitely ways to, just to protect, and I I think that um, what what we've seen is this COVID crisis out of no fault of anybody's has caused an economic crisis, but it's a lot different than our 2008 um, crisis that was, you know, there there was more happening and and the banks were, were struggling as were individuals, but mm-hmm. th- those are two very different types of, of situations. So F- the good thing is, is that most banks are in a really, are in a good position. And so FDIC, we haven't seen bank failures like we did in 2008. So that's generally not something that people need to be worried about right now. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. One last thing. Uh, sure. We've got like uh, bank boxes or safe deposit boxes. If you have yes. a valid power of attorney, that usually that, that covers it because it's part of this, the ordinary powers, right? That's, that is correct. Um, and and it, ultimately, it's always great to designate those powers because that makes it better for the bank attorneys to easily see that it's there. But, I but it. the durable power of attorney, um, so if a person has a safety deposit box, Typically, um, there's only two keys. So just as any, you're, you're going to go in, uh, let's say a husband and wife are both on there. If you have power of attorney for one of them, you should be able to access this. The, the, the secondary part is make sure you have a key um, because that will create a little bit of a headache to try to get you in the box if you don't have a, if you don't actually have their key. Um and also expect there to be just a little bit of time again for for the power of attorney if it's never been presented before. Sure, it, it may take a minute for them to present it um, to our to our legal team in order for them to to give us the okay. And again, it's really more of a protection issue. But, um, but if that, your that, name is on the bank box, like again, parents and children, parents and their adult mm-hmm. children, they like to put somebody on the bank box. Does that make you a co-owner of the assets in the safe deposit box or you just access rights? Well, I mean, let me first say that just even though we work at the bank, we don't know what is in your safety deposit box. That's up to Uh you. Technically speaking, if your name is on it, it would allow you access to it. Um, You know, that's a... But that's a great question, Barbara. I don't know the. I, I think I, I'm sure. I'm sure the answer is it depends. And I say that just because, let's say you're a spouse, husband and wife. The wife passes. The husband is gonna. Those are gonna be his his assets. But then when dad passes and he's added maybe one of the kids on there. Yeah. I, I think the intent, hopefully, by the by one of the children would be that those that information. I also want to point out that some, a lot of people keep their wills in their safety deposit box. Sure. And, um, and we do have, we have had situations where, and again, it's a much higher authority, but either through a copy, even if it's not a finalized will, but we've had to allow people access to the safety deposit box that in those situations, there's a bank person, that is also present. there, yeah. present, um, logging the, the contents and also making sure that nothing is physically removed from it besides the pa- the, uh, the last the will. will and testament. Yeah. That's correct. You're, so you're just act- giving access just for the purpose of determining That's whether correct. the original will is in the box, basically. Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
Um, All right. So, well, how, does that answer most of your questions? I think so. I appreciate good, good. your time today and well, I enjoyed talking it. with us. Well, I'd like to thank Daisy for joining us. That's it for today's episode. And thank you for listening to Aging Starts Now. Please stay tuned for next week's new episode. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.